Welcome to Victory Church Winchester, Virginia's weekly podcast. Our desire is that you will find Victory a place to call home. Please take a moment to subscribe and share. Here is this week's message from our Sunday morning worship experience. Are you ready for the word of the Lord this morning? Amen? All right. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. The Lord is speaking here through the prophet Isaiah for our instruction even today. The word says, come now. The Lord is saying this. Come now. Let us settle the matter. Your Bible might even say, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. I want to tag a title to this text this morning. I'm going to preach from this subject, A White Christmas. Would you bow your heads and hearts with me as we go to the Lord in prayer? Father, thank you this morning, Lord, for the opportunity to be here, to gather together in this beautiful season, in this amazing setting here with our friends and our family and our church. And we got, God, we ask, God, that you would do what no man can do, and that is speak to our hearts and speak to our lives. Father, our hearts are open. Our ears are open. We are receptive to what you would speak and to share with us today. God, I pray that we would not only just hear your word, that we would believe your word, and that we would leave here today obeying your word. Father, thank you for what you're going to do in these moments that we have together this morning. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. Um, While there are many Christmas songs um, that we sang this morning that have a beautiful Christmas message, right? Hark the herald angels sing, um, Silent Night, these wonderful, beautiful Christmas uh, songs that we sing in this season. How many of y'all also like the goofy songs, the songs that have nothing to do with, you know, anything but just having fun? Joy to the world, right? Come on. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Santa Claus is coming to town. How about this one? Grandma got ran over by a reindeer. Walking home from our house, Christmas, our house Christmas Eve. You can say there's no such thing as Santa, but as for me and Grandpa, we believe. Well, one of those special songs that doesn't have a whole lot to do with Christmas, but is a beautiful song and a song that I love and maybe you love. I don't know what's on your Christmas play- playlist, but it's in mine. And it's the song, I'm Dreaming of a White Christmas. This uh, song has been titled America's Song. It was written in 1942 um, and recorded in 1942 by a man named Bing Crosby. The United States, woohoo, Bing Crosby, you get some love in there. Um, we were at a time in our country in which we were in the Second World War, and this song provided hope for people back at home and also provided hope for soldiers that were in the war. And it really resonated with the country because although it talks about the trees glistening and all these things, it talks about every Christmas card I write, it closes with, may all your Christmases be merry and may all your Christmases be white. 
They were dreaming of a white Christmas. In the midst of an unstable, uncertain, confusing world that they lived, this world of war, this world of turmoil, this world of uncertainty, does it sound a little familiar to you today? They were dreaming of a white Christmas. And this white Christmas would result in their living their life merry and bright. Now, I don't know about you if you're dreaming of, like, snow. I like the concept of it, but I don't particularly like the snow. I'm dreaming of global warming. I mean, that's just... <laughs> some of y'all don't get mad at me. I'm just joking. I just... But, like, I want it to be, like, 90 degrees in the shade, me and my wife. Amen? I see you're in the back. And um, so we like the warm weather, but, you know, we'll take some snow for the kids, you know, as long as it turns 90 degrees the next day, we're okay with it. But as we read the text this morning, our passage in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18, Isaiah was writing to a people who were oppressed, a people who were going through difficulties, a people who were sieged round about. They were living in darkness. They were living in a, a, a depressing day. They were living uh, among oppressors from other countries that were trying to uh, destroy them. And they were dreaming of their own white Christmas. And for 700 years, listen to this, the Jews had dreamed of their own white Christmas. They had this promise from Isaiah that has become the hallmark uh, scripture or text for the Christmas season. You probably are familiar with it. I want to read it to you this morning. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2 reads this. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Go down to verse 6. For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. And he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom forever. And so we have this Christmas prophecy penned by Isaiah, inspired by God, and he writes these words to an oppressed people, a people who are living in darkness, a people who were beat down, a people who were struggling, a people who were going through difficulty. And as you enter this Christmas season, I would ask you, would you consider your days to be merry and bright? Or can you resonate and identify with the people in our passage today and whom the prophet writes and whom God uh, proclaims this good news. Would you define your days currently as being depressing, defeating, and dark? You know, the Christmas season is a time of joy. The Christmas season is a time of celebration. But for many, the Christmas season is a time of depression. It's a time of loss. It's a time at the end of the year where we look back on our struggles throughout the year and maybe there's not the same person at the table that we shared Christmas with the year before. Maybe we've experienced loss or maybe we're struggling um, in, in a relationship or struggling in our health. And maybe your days are not merry and bright, but maybe, just maybe, 
you are looking forward to a merry Christmas, a white Christmas, a Christmas where joy returns to your heart and your soul once again. I want us to consider this morning how to experience a white Christmas. And as a Savior, Jesus has arrived to take away my sins, your sins, and to give us eternal life. This is the good news of the gospel. This is the good news of a merry Christmas. This is the good news of a white Christmas, is that Jesus, our Savior, has arrived to take away our sins and to give us eternal life. So how can we, this Christmas season, have a white Christmas? I'm going to answer that question for us today. First thing that we need to do is we need to address the problem of every person of every person. The greatest problem of every person is not our situation. It's not our trouble. It's not our difficulty. It's not that relationship. It's not that illness. It's not that those bills to pay. Our greatest problem is the sin that separates us from God and condemns us to an eternity without God. And here is my definition of sin for you. Sin is any time when I choose my way over God's way. It's when we turn our backs on God and we make our own choices. When we do so, we are rebelling against God. We have to address the problem of sin. We have to address the problem of every person. You see, it's not just me who struggles with sin. It's not just you that struggles with sin. It's not just the country of America that struggles with sin, but it's the entire world. It's everyone who's ever been born. It's every, it's every person who ever will be born. It's all of us. The scriptures say this in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Isaiah said it like this, the people walking in darkness... In other words, to walk is to have a lifestyle. They were living in a lifestyle. Not only were they oppressed, but they were living in their own personal sin. The heart of the problem is the problem of our hearts. You know, the scientists have tried to figure out why the apple often, it it would get a hole in it and you could find a worm in the apple. And the scientists, they discovered that the worm didn't come from the outside into the apple, but actually what happened was the insect would lay an egg in that apple blossom, and then that fruit would grow and develop, and then that worm would make its way out from the inside. The heart of our problem is the problem of our heart. A person is not a sinner because they sin. A person sins because they are a sinner on the inside, and it shows it on the outside. It's the problem that we all have. And there is a penalty to this sin. You see, Scripture says in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, Paul goes on to say, he says that we're all sinners, and then he goes on to say that, that the wages or the penalty or what you receive, the consequences of that sin is death. 
is death. Death is separation from God. It's separation from his peace, from his power, from his purpose in your life, from his provision in your life. Being separated from God is a result of the sinful condition of your heart. There is a penalty for your sin. But there's not only the penalty of our sin, but there's the power of our sin. We feel powerless from the sin that we have, and we have to address this powerlessness that we continue to experience because of this problem of sin in our life. Paul said, the things that I want to do, that's the things that I do not do. And the things that I do do is the things that I don't want to do, right? Hmm. But sin not only damns you, it only, not only has a penalty, it not only has power, but it also brings pollution. It stains your life. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18 says, though your sins be like crimson and though they be like scarlet, Isaiah was saying this. He was saying that, that all, something that oh, they would all know. There was a grub, a worm, an insect that would uh, leave a stain on anything that was white, on wool or fabric. And he said, this, this stain is like the sin in our lives. It defiles you. When Leonardo da Vinci was painting his masterpiece, The Last Supper, he looked for someone to play the part of Jesus that would sit there so that he could paint Jesus. And he looked throughout Rome and he found a, a healthy vibrant young man who could play this part. His name was Pietro Bandinelli. And years passed, and this painting of the Last Supper that da Vinci had painted was still unfinished. So now, the last character he had to paint was Judas Iscariot. And he sought about the city of Rome, trying to find a candidate to play Judas, someone who was hardened by this world, someone who, who, who looked um, tough, somebody who had a difficult life, someone who was villainous. And he looked through the streets and he found a beggar on the streets of Rome that, he, that was perfect to play the part. So he hired this man and as he sat, he painted his face, painted the face of Judas on the Last Supper. And when he was about to dismiss the man, he asked him, he said, I've not yet asked your name. And the man said to him, I am Petro Bandinelli. He said, I sat as your model for Christ. You see, sin has pleasure for a season, but the scripture says the end thereof is death. And it will defile you. It will pollute you. It seems good in the moment, It'll take you farther than you want to go. It'll cost you more than you want to pay. And it will keep you longer than you want to stay. Be careful. Sin lies at the door and it knocks. But the scriptures say that we must have dominion over it. And we can have that through the second way to have a white Christmas. I want to talk to you about accepting the provision for every person. We have to address the problem of every person, but we also have to accept the provision for every person. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. 
Over 700 years later, as the prophet has penned those prophetic words and the people of God are waiting for the arrival of their Savior, a Savior who would deliver them from their sins, a Savior that would deliver them from their trouble, a Savior that would bring light and life and peace through the through the time of 700 years, through that long time, they finally got their answer. And in Matthew chapter 1, the scriptures say this, as the angels speak to Joseph, the father of Jesus, it says, she will give, the scriptures say, she will give birth to a son, and you are to call his name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. The name of Jesus means Savior. God's provision for our problem was what? Not to just stand back, not just to look out, but it was to send. It was to send a Savior. This is in theology what we call the incarnation. It means in flesh. It's the Latin word that means in flesh. Unto us. A child is born, that's the humanity of Jesus. A child is born. It means Jesus is the son of man. But then he says, unto us a son is given. That's the deity of Jesus. Jesus was 100% man and he was 100% God. He came into this world and he took upon flesh that he might identify with us, that he might take upon our sins upon himself. And he didn't stay as a baby, but he lived a sinless life and he died upon a cross. He was crucified. He bled. He was, he was beaten. He suffered greatly because you and I needed a savior. God's solution to your sin was to not just stand back, but it was to send a Savior. And we don't just need a Savior for our situation. We need a Savior for our soul. So many people, they want a Savior. They want God to rescue them. They want God to bring them out. They want God to provide this and that. And they ask God to make a way. And they ask God to, to help them and to bring them out. God is concerned about your situation, but he wants to be your Savior. He wants to be the Savior of your soul. Because the problem of every person is your soul. Your soul is in sin. But the solution to every person is the provision of a Savior. God, take the form of a man, wrapped himself in humanity, divinity wrapped in humanity, sent forth into the world 2,000 years ago, lying in a manger. This is the incarnation. You see, if our greatest need would have been physical sickness, God would have sent a medical doctor if our greatest need was law and order, God would have sent a police officer. If our greatest need was justice, God would have sent a judge. If our greatest need would have been money, God would have sent an accountant. If our greatest need would have been education, God would have sent a teacher. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent a scientist. If our greatest need would have been a pleasure, God would have sent an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness. So God sent you and I a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. He will save his people from their sin through the miracle of the incarnation. But I love it 
It's not just, he's not just a savior just for everyone, but he's a savior for me. He's a personal savior for unto me, unto us, a child is born. Unto me, a son was given. He's not a savior just to the world generally, but he's a savior to you specifically. God sent Jesus specifically for you. Why? Because you personally need to be saved from the penalty, the power, and the pollution of your sin. You rebelled against God. You deserve his wrath. Left to yourself, you personally bear the punishment and penalty of your sin. You are responsible. But God is not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to eternal life. The wages of sin is death, but there's good news. The gift of God is eternal life and Christ Jesus, our Lord, Romans 6, 23. So the solution to the problem of every person's sin is accepting the Savior as God's solution to your sin. And finally, we can have a white, a white Christmas by answering the plea to every person. Accept or address the problem of every person, accept the provision for every person, and now answer the plea to every person. Come now, Isaiah says, come. God is inviting us. He's calling out to you. He's saying, come, let us settle this matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they will be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they will be like wool. God's plea to every person is come now. The desire of God is that everyone would be saved. God has done his part. And now he's looking, he's calling, he's beckoning you to come and to settle the matter so that we can do so together with him. This word, come settle this together, it's uh, the other, I, I told you earlier, it's the word reason. It's a judicial, judicial term that means to make a decision about a case. It means to acquit or convict. God is asking us to make a decision about what he's offering. He's saying, I will cleanse you of your sins if you will come. What's your decision? Are you dreaming of a Christmas that's merry and bright? The solution of God is that you might have a white Christmas, that your sins, though they are many, though they are like scarlet, though they are like crimson, that they would be made white as snow. We often, though, when presented with this great truth, maybe some of us, are putting it off to another day. Tomorrow is not promised today. Don't put off what is urgent. Don't put off to tomorrow what is urgent today. I wonder if we don't realize how urgent our need is, how perilous our condition really is, how great our sinful condition is before a holy God. On February the 1st, 2003, some of y'all weren't born. But you may remember the space shuttle Columbia blew up as it re-entered the, uh, the, uh, the Earth's atmosphere. Seven crew members lost their lives in that heartbreaking tragedy. And NASA wanted to find out 
what caused this great tragedy. Their investigators concluded that the source of the problem occurred when the space shuttle launched into orbit. There was a piece of styrofoam that was approximately three pounds and it hit the bottom, the underneath of the wing of the space shuttle. And it damaged it just enough that the wing couldn't withstand the heat that is generated from re-entry into the, into the Earth's atmosphere. Here's what intrigues me as I was thinking about that story. After takeoff, there was 15 days in which they were in outer space. 15 days, 22 hours. In this time, the seven crew members carried on their mission, but they didn't know that they were doomed from the start. No one from NASA headquarters gave them any reason for concern. None of the crew could see the damage on the underbelly of the wing. They didn't know they were in perilous danger, but they were. They didn't know they needed to be rescued, but they did. Even if the astronauts had known there was nothing they themselves could actually do to fix this problem. They didn't have the equipment or the expertise to get out of the spacecraft and repair the damage. They were doomed from the beginning and they didn't know it. They needed some help from the outside if they had any hope to survive. Those seven astronauts in that doomed space shuttle remind me of our plight, our spiritual con condition, the spiritual condition of all mankind. You see, from the beginning of our existence, every person is consumed with sin and we are doomed to die. Adam and Eve's sin separated the world from God, dooming everyone who ever occupied it. For the Bible does say that in Adam all die. And repeat, the Bible repeatedly warns us, warns us that there's no hope apart from a divine rescue. Each one of us is in peril, perilous danger. But this gift has come to us this gift of rescue, this gift of a person outside of ourself. Though we be condemned to die, powerless to do anything about it, in, from the outside into our world comes a Savior, a Savior on a rescue mission, a Savior that would bring us to himself, would do what, he, do what only he could do because we could not get to him. He rescued us from the penalty, the power of our sin, the pollution of our sin to become our savior that we might inherit and that we might have abundant life and eternal life. Every single person in this place today without Christ is doomed for disaster. You are doomed from the beginning but now maybe for the first time you know it you realize it through the songs that were sang through the worship experience we had through the message through the word of God that has come forward in this place today the Lord is pleading to you it's not too late come to Christ be forgiven before it's too late. Don't put off tomorrow what you can do today. The Bible says today is the day 
of salvation. If you receive him today, you can really have a white Christmas. The answer to the plea from God is to say, yes, I will make you God my Savior today. I will receive Jesus Christ as my Savior. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to count to three, and I want you to respond today. You know the Holy Spirit. God has been speaking to your heart about your need for a Savior. You want to address the problem of your sin this morning. You want to accept the provision of Jesus Christ. And you want to answer yes to the plea from God to every person. Jesus. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Our vision is that you would experience Victory Church as a place to call home. We do this by encountering God through worship, embracing community through relationship, and expanding the kingdom of God through service. Find out more about Victory at victorywinchester.com.